What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle John. I am Uncle John, and today we're reading from r slash Tales from Tech Support. Been sitting here driving myself nuts for the last 15 minutes. I've got that little flicker with the tree in the background, and I can't get my camera to smooth it out. Uh, probably because I need more light on the front of me, but eh, screw it. We're reading stories anyway. All right, let's do some tech support. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Sorry, can't join Bridge Eating. I worked for a Fortune 500 company for almost 20 years. This occurred during a period where I was frontline support, acting as the POC for our biggest and most complex client. Since they had every product we offered, I was constantly joining incident bridges. I acted as the go-between for the client and the techs working the issue. One particular data center stood out in my mind during that time. Their employees would routinely not join bridges. Someone would pass on that the data center had looked at things on their end, determined everything was fine, and so they wouldn't join the bridge. Once I had to host a meeting to discuss the follow-up to a recent incident and invited them, asking them to send a representative. Their participation was crucial as the issue for once did actually reside in their portion of the environment. However, they refused to join as it occurred during lunch. I replied politely that I had to accommodate availability across multiple time zones and schedules. Could they please make an exception in this instance? So one of their SMEs grudgingly did join. I, along with everyone else in the company, was used to taking meetings during lunch. It was just reality, but not these guys. This entitlement always infuriated everyone else in the organization and pissed me off to no end. But really, there was nothing they could do. The head of the data center was absolutely convinced that his team was acting appropriately and efficiently. Complaints went nowhere and the organization couldn't cut the staff in that group. Their portion of the environment, like all portions, was pretty complex. And just about all the knowledge about the data center was in the heads of the employees. The business needed their expertise to make sure stuff kept working. However, there was a light at the end of the tunnel. The entire environment was gradually migrating and consolidating into a huge, newly constructed new data center. This process took years as section by section was migrated, and the section for the data center was coming up. Once the process was finished, the relevant staff were supposed to be absorbed by specialty into larger teams. Their tribal knowledge would no longer be needed, and their behavior would most likely not be tolerated by their new bosses. Yahoo! But then the current data center suddenly lost its lease. So rather than the infrastructure being methodically integrated into the new environment, it was simply reproduced as is in a special sectioned off portion of the building. It became a bolt-on. The staff continued on as before. When my boss was told this news, he shrugged and went back to work. Life goes on. This was about five years ago. I've always been curious as to what happened over time after the move, but I lost touch with the folks involved. Addition, at the time I had to accommodate people all over the world mostly in Europe and the USA, with a few here and there in the Caribbean and Australia and New Zealand. It was simply not possible to schedule a meeting that didn't occur during someone's traditional lunchtime. That's reality. Combine that with the fact that typically everyone on these calls, including me, were salaried, so no one had to miss lunch. They could have taken a later lunch or an earlier lunch, or they could have eaten at their desk during the meeting and then ran errands or something for an hour. I would do that a lot where I would eat at my desk and then head to Costco and back or they could have left an hour earlier that day, etc. So to refuse to join a meeting during your lunch? That's absurd. That means someone else will always have to join during their lunch. And to refuse to join an incident bridge? 
This environment, like all other two to three dozen environments across the company, were intricately linked. I heard a few times that the resulting total network was so complex it had gone beyond the ability of any humans to understand. So it was policy at my company at that time that everyone who supported the environment would join and help troubleshoot until any issue that required their assistance was ruled out. That exclusion process normally happened very quickly. Sometimes I would join a bridge and be told immediately that my client wasn't affected and I could drop, but not in this environment sometimes. Occasionally troubleshooting was elongated because we needed help from this team, but they wouldn't join the bridge because they had concluded that they weren't involved. After action reviews sometimes went nowhere because this team would also refuse to join those meetings. Finally, I did try to avoid 1100 and 1300 Eastern US as that was when the cafeteria was open on the East Coast of the US. And at least 80% of the staff relevant for me were based there and I could typically make it work. Just a very few times that I couldn't. And of those very few times, I would sometimes need help from this group. They would almost always complain that the meeting was during lunch. Considering I was on the West Coast and almost always had meetings during 1100 to 1300 my time, those complaints sounded silly, but it all worked out for me. I would eat during the meetings and then run errands for an hour. I can understand if, if it's interrupting your lunchtime and you're not allowed to make that lunchtime up, I get it. But you know, if you're salaried and you get to take your lunch anyway after the meeting's over, or you can take your lunch before the meeting or whatever, and it's scheduled out, I don't see an issue. You could have asked that they rotate so that one time it's during their lunchtime and other time it's during your lunchtime and, you know, spread it out a little, but for them to just absolutely refuse all the time is kind of ridiculous. Now, if they were hourly employees, I could totally understand. You ain't interrupting my lunch because then everybody's going to rag on me if I don't take my lunch at a certain time and all that stuff. But some people are just hard to work with, I guess. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Random monitor desyncs? Have a seat. Shocking conclusion. Our director has a laptop plugged into a docking station with two monitors. Over the past two years, randomly throughout the day, one of his monitors will go black for a few seconds, and it'll come back on showing the input logo. This happens with us too, but a lot less frequently. I was brought into this department with no prior professional experience in IT, just someone who loves tech, builds computers, ran private servers for games, etc. My senior techs could never figure out why it was happening. Neither could my admins, and I tried really hard for about six months before he apologized for wasting my time and to let him try to forget about it. This poor guy has had five different laptops, docking stations, and monitor sets from both Lenovo and Dell, and still has the same problem even when he's at home. Well, I figured it out yesterday on accident, and no one believed me until I proved it multiple times. It's our chairs. The gas lift pistons in our office chairs generate enough static to cause an EMI. Wow. The docks aren't shielded very well from it and it desyncs the display cables. I shock myself all the time at the office after getting up. Yesterday I touched a broken laptop on my desk and shocked myself, and my monitor desynced at the same time. This thing was on the opposite side of my desk from my laptop and dock. I reproduced it 10 times in a row. Every time I got shocked on my desk, it went out. Start shifting around in my chair a bunch, monitor goes out. Switched out the chair, this is no longer happening. It's the chairs, man, it's the chairs. I don't think I've ever experienced that. I mean, I've experienced other, you know, static shock 
issues, but that was usually touching things that I shouldn't have been touching without grounding myself. And that's a whole other story, but I've never heard of the gas piston specifically causing any kind of static to build up. I don't know. I would think there's a combination of things going on, but I could be wrong. Also, if everybody's getting shocked all the time, touching things around their desks, at some point, somebody should have let IT know or a boss know or something. Um, and IT hopefully should have picked up on that because static around all your electronic equipment is just not a good thing. So uh, I worked in an office once where the carpets created nonstop static and it didn't matter if it was dry out, humid out. It just didn't matter. There, every time we walk across the room, it, you didn't even have to shuffle your feet. You walk across the room to touch somebody else's computer to help them with something or whatever. It would definitely shock you. And uh, some of those old computers didn't take well to that. <laughs> had an old Windows 95 machine that just totally decided it wasn't going to work after I plugged something into the back of it. And yeah. Oh, well. Losing thousands of dollars per second, but too cheap to buy a network redundancy. Reading through some of the stories here made me think back to some gems from working as business support for the largest ISP in my country. Unhelpful is me, the bastard watching back when I gaze into the mirror. Cheap equals cheapness himself. 8 a.m. or so on an otherwise bearably busy morning, a call enters coming from a private phone number not linked to any company. Cheap says, hello, I'm a company and I'm losing hundreds of thousands of revenue per second. You have to help me. The classic, I'm a business when calling a corporate level service desk. They all knew that line. I say, good morning, sir. Could you please be a little more specific regarding your issue and preferably provide a connection ID or a phone number for the location? Cheap says, I'm common business name in capital city and you need to fix our internet right now. Talking to you while you don't fix it costs me more money than you earn. Blech. Well, I get some location info and I managed to find a company that might be relevant after scouring services now. I'm running some tests right now. Could you please confirm whether it's company name at listed address and whether you tried restarting the equipment already? Chief says, I already said that's the business. Send a technician ASAP. I already checked the equipment. I want to see someone arrive now. I said, okay, sir. The line is indeed down. I booked you the earliest possible technician. You can expect him in a bit more than an hour. His agenda just opened up. Cheap says, impossible. I'm losing more than you'll see in your life in that time frame. I want another technician and you better make sure I never have problems again with internet. I say, sir, if you want another technician, I can send you someone else, but you can expect him at noon, which is a three plus hour wait. And for a starting price of about $20 monthly plus data, you have 4G backup service. Cheapness cuts the call. The customer ended up calling three times after that to members of the team to urge escalation until the tech eventually arrived 47 minutes after the booking time. Router reboot solved the issue. Uptime was 96 weeks. Wow. The revenue he was losing? The company was some kind of trading intermediary for gold trading and whatnot, so while the revenue officially is high, I doubt he lost all that much. Still enough to pay for redundancy, though. The amount of businesses I've seen to be completely stalled for hours or days due to cut cables because they were too cheap to spend 50 to 100 a month on basic redundancy through 4G or another operator. If you're putting 100 people to work and your connection drops, but backup lines take over, you've already earned back all the money you ever spent on backup lines. Another one was a faded local TV celebrity who apparently now runs a hotel, called in around midnight screaming and shouting about how his hotel was down. But after patient checking, he was running his hotel on the most basic consumer level network connection, which we didn't support in our team at night. He tried calling the CEO. Yes, at midnight as a consumer paying peanuts and then sent an email to said foreign CEO with us in CC in the local language that the CEO doesn't speak. I seriously contemplated temporarily throttling his connection every now and then, but logs exist. 
The guy ended up calling five times over two hours out of a total of five calls I received in those two hours. And I could hear him almost blow his top off after he had me on the phone again for the fifth time and not someone else. First of all, even if you're paying for top tier internet, it really doesn't matter. Things are going to happen, whether it's electric service, water disruptions, internet disruptions, hell, even once in a while, 4G interruptions through the cell company. Sometimes things happen. Equipment breaks, towers go down, lines get cut by somebody doing construction. It just, it's just going to happen. You can pay for redundancies and solve most of this, but even if you don't, I mean, I'm cheap too, but I understand that if things go down, they go down. It's just part of life. The professor told you to either leave or do the quiz on paper, not to come back with IT. So this was a fun one that just happened. I'm a senior level for the service desk at a college. A student came to the desk saying there was 10 minutes left on a quiz and lockdown browser has an error saying the mouse pad tried to switch apps. There was a language barrier and he was also saying, I need you to come explain the error to my professor. And he wouldn't accept the USB mouse to finish the quiz. After some back and forth, it sounded like the mouse pad was dying or giving ghost inputs. And I decided to just head back to the class with him to see what was going on. As we entered the room, the professor glared at him. So much so that I thought I was getting detention or something. He sits down and shows me the error, and it does say that the mouse pad tried to switch apps. Four finger swipe. That's when the professor comes over and the student says, See, IT says it's the issue with my mouse pad. And with pure anger in her eyes, the professor says, I told you to either leave the class or do the quiz on paper, not come back with IT. Well, it turns out there was only 10 minutes left because he spent 40 minutes looking at an error message and arguing with the professor about not having to do the quiz on paper. So I was just standing there like the awkward monkey puppet meme while she begrudgingly reopened the quiz for him to do with the mouse we provided. She did give me a smile on the way out as she understood that I didn't know what I was walking into. Way back when I was taking college classes at night at the local community college, there was a lot of young adults there that were less than adult. I couldn't tell you the number of times they would come in with excuses like, Oh, I couldn't get to it. Can I have an extension on my report? Oh, I couldn't take the online quiz because of whatever, you know. And they had every excuse in the book. I was working full time during the day, taking two night classes, had a family at home, and all kinds of other life responsibilities to worry about. And these people, you know, were living at mom and dad's house and maybe had a part time job and would complain because they couldn't get an assignment done that was usually, let's be honest, most of these assignments could have been done right at the end of class, the previous class. Uh, before you even left, there was, you know, and we were usually given at least 20 minutes to goof off at the end of class. So there was just no reason for most of this stuff to happen, but I don't know. I could also see where the professor, you know, if everybody else was taking the thing on the computer and, you know, there was a problem with the mouse pad, there should have been some accommodation made, but, uh, you know, at the same time, if the rule is, if the equipment doesn't work, take your test on paper. Well, then that's what you got to do. And if the student really did sit there staring at this error message for 40 minutes, then he's got a little bit more of an issue. So, you know, what are you going to do? All right, guys. Well, until the next one, we'll see you.